At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thanks for tuning in to Boner Planet Podcast. Watch the full video exclusively on Carbon TV. This show is brought to you by Tinks, Scent Crusher, Camp Chef, and Cat Work Truck. Victory Archery and Thorn Broadheads. Cobra Archery and Shadow Hunter Blinds. Burris Optics and Reveal Cellular Trail Camps. HHA and HHA USA. Additional support by Under Armour and Deer Camp Coffee. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast. And myself, James Nopum, Jay Dumas, and our friend Layden Force from North American Whitetail. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great. And I, and I say North American Whitetail on top of the other 3,000 things you're involved in. So I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and uh, let you talk about what you got, what you're working on, and uh, what, what your uh, 2022 season looks like. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you all having me on, and it, it's always fun to to uh, join you guys here. This is, I guess I always, uh, this is my second time. So uh, it's been fun both times so far. And um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're busy North American whitetail. Uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit last time with Dave and the crew and uh, it's a big year for us this year at North American whitetail. This is our 40th year of the brand and really the magazine. Yeah. Um, you know, the magazine's been around uh, for quite some time and and um, we're celebrating going into uh, our 20th year of North American Whitetail TV. Um, so we've got two big milestones. We'll be filming our 20th season here this fall, but 40th year we're celebrating this year here in 22. So, um, you know, we got magazines. We're, we're in the heat of it right now. We, we got our spring issue out the door. We just sent our June issue off to press. Um, and literally, as we were sending it to the press, uh, myself and Haynes were starting to film uh, the studio for season 19 um, of North American Whitetail TV. So we got done at the hotel, walked out the door after hitting the send button on the press and walked across the street to Bass Pro there in, in Springfield, Missouri, and, and started filming studio um, there that afternoon. And um, it's, you know, we got the July issue. I was just talking to, to Haynes and Blake um, again today. We got the July issue going to press here shortly. And um, next week we've got another sub brand under North American whitetail called North American elk, which is a special interest publication that we started a couple years ago and is near and dear to my heart. Cause I'm a, I'm a Midwestern guy. And this, this delivery is built for the guys that don't live in the West. They're trying to figure out how to, to elk hunt, um, really kind of their how-to guide on, on getting them out there and trying to walk them through some of the tougher steps of, uh, making that first non-resident elk hunt happen. And, you know, we've all probably, if you've been elk hunting, you've seen that Colorado uh, um, Parks and Wildlife book that is 100 plus pages long or Montana, you know, big game guide that's 100 plus pages long. And you got to pick a, you know, a, a weapon, a season, a, you know, a, a time yeah. of year and all those a unit and everything that goes into it. It can be you know pretty intimidating. And so that was kind of our thought process behind that delivery is, hey, let's build kind of a, a buffer there for guys that we know are whitetail hunters because they've told us at North American whitetail, you know, that 27% of our audience is going to hunt elk either this year or next year. Um, and let's kind of help that 27% of our audience uh, get a jump start on things. So we do two, two issues of that a year and our second issue is going to press next week. Um, yes. So we're working, working on that as well. And get gun dog and wildfowl. Everything's just busy right now, man. We're, we're in the heat of it. So that that's an awesome idea. I know so many guys yeah. that just pick up and go on their first elk trip with no help. And I'm like, eh. but if we, yeah. if we had, a, if we had a reliable guide, I think that'd be something really awesome. And then as far as, you know, North American whitetail, I was, the, the funny thing was I was cleaning out my, uh, my travel bag for work. And I found, <laughs> I must've bought an issue couple years ago when i was getting on a plane <laughs> so we've all yep. seen it we all, we're all familiar with it you know it's just about as old as me so that's that's pretty cool awesome man. yeah well thank you for my I, yeah, I think I, I think that issue is going to do well i mean i know we've yeah. talked about going out west and elk hunting and stuff like that and just kind of picking up and going but 
as whitetail hunters, it's a totally different game. You know what I mean? And to go out there and like you said, that digest is, is just full of rules and stuff that you need to be on top of. And if you guys provide that information in that, that magazine, I think that would be super helpful for our Midwest guys. I mean, I know it's on my list of things to do to get out there and elk hunt, but if I had some information like you guys providing, that'd be huge. Cause you know, everybody's, you know, spending a lot of money trying to have a good time, but you want to make the most of it too, at the same time. So you're not wasting it learning, you know, uh, the ropes. So that's to right. Speak. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. No, I, and that's, that's right, Jay. I mean, that's exactly where we were with it. And, and you know, I, we'd come out of a business development meeting with our executive team. They said, Hey, we're looking for new ideas for the year. And I had literally just got done, um, trying to decide on my first elk trip. Uh, to Colorado it was an over-the-counter down to unit 81 in the south central part of the state and it was a trip man and I I had really kind of tried to to work around it for eight years I always wanted to do it and just didn't have somebody to lead me into it had a few buddies that had gone had gone but they had gone with somebody else you know they had somebody to walk them into it that had been doing it for a decade and um, I had just been kind of intimidated by it so I went and hunted mule deer instead or you know, right. you know it's a, <laughs> yeah. a little easier to Comfort go over the counter in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah exactly. Man. Go pick yeah. up an OTC counter in Nebraska, uh, you know, archery tag. And and so, we, you know, that was kind of the idea. I thought, well, hey, what do you think about this? And we knew kind of our demographics and, and it made sense. And then we really tried to lean on guys that, you know, were from, you know, not, instead of just leaning on a guy that is another Rocky Mountain hunter, lean on a guy that had come from the east that, um, you know, was maybe a, a whitetail hunter in his beginning and could speak, you know, to the relative experience of most whitetail hunters you know we hop in a stand and we hunt whitetails in most cases right. uh right. in the whitetail range and we all know that if you tried to hop in one spot unless it's the right bench or the right water hole or or um wallow you know when you get out there chances are you're gonna have a pretty hard time seeing elk when you get out there in most cases so <laughs> you know there's some tendencies and habits there that we've got to be comfortable with getting away from and and some of those guys that are experienced and can speak from you know our, our relative segment can uh, help lead some of those guys in the right direction so so that's cool awesome. if you guys haven't you guys haven't got a copy of it i'll make sure we get you uh, a couple copies a couple back issues yeah for so you sure can see I'd, it. I'd, I'd love that i'd like yeah, to take a look i mean sure. how many years have we talked about this jay for <laughs> i know <laughs> it just, it's just like you know you, you hear all our buddies go yeah i dropped five thousand you see anything well yep. i heard i heard a couple i'm like well, did you talk yeah. to anybody or you just, yeah. you know, just winged it yeah. right off the rip? Yeah. Right? yeah. This isn't one of those things you can just go out there and do it. You know what I mean? It's just right. not going to happen. So right. get that out of your head, you know, unless that's you get exactly a Michigan right. tag, I mean, but right. that's a, that's a once in a lifetime kind of deal. And then yeah. they just kind of walk you out there to where they are and you just get one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, it, I don't think that's going to work in Colorado. Yeah. I that's going to, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I, we know a couple people that have been, they told us how the process works. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. You just see, once yeah. you get pulled, you go to a meeting and all the farmers are sitting there with pictures of the huge elk they got in their property. Like, yeah, come shoot this thing. It's wrecking my yeah. crops. And they just walk you yeah. out to it and you shoot it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole, whole different style. And <laughs> right. with these uh, reclaimed populations, you know, that, the, that they're working to rebuild across the country, you, you know, states like Michigan and Wisconsin, Northern Minnesota, Missouri, even we had our first elk season a couple seasons ago down in the Ozark mountains and, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee probably being some of the biggest, success uh, success stories when it comes to um the the reestablished population um there's some different that aren't exactly you know eleven thousand feet on the continental divide in colorado or or you know seven or eight thousand feet in the the crazies in montana but um you know it's it's cool either way i'm glad we're getting these really the success of our conservation models and right and uh, how well some of these game agencies are, are working you know with with the elk herds in different places no, they're so. doing a great job i mean especially in michigan and unfortunately we were driving up north i i want to say maybe even 10 years ago and probably about an hour before we pulled through somebody hit a 400 inch elk with their car oh geez. I mean, the car was just destroyed you could see it was laying in the ditch and you just saw one side i was like oh my god <laughs> oh yeah. no yeah, they're, they're pretty the big head. animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. So, you are a Bowtech man. What are you shooting this I, year? 
So, man, I have had such, it's a fun year um, because of the fact that I've had such a, a troublesome time trying to settle in on, on one bow. And, um, you know, I really was, was pretty impressed with the solution and solution SS of, of last year. And then the whole crew out there at Eugene had me out in September and uh, we did some, some digital content um, for the, the guys that are Botech for NAW and, and our website and, I got introduced to the new CP28 and the new uh, SR350 and, and I'm, I mean, I am a guy that, you know, pretty tried and true over the years with a couple of, ex, uh, of exceptions have lived in that 32 to 30 inch axle that range, you know, a six and a half to seven inch brace height. I'm a, I'm a bow hunter. Um, you know, I've, I've cut my teeth in competitive archery a little bit as well, but uh, when it comes to hunting, man, I want a bow that is consistent, forgiving and, it's going to put me in the right spot if, you know, I'm, I'm stuck where I need to draw really slow and, and get back yeah. without going over a, you know, a, a pretty big peak in the draw force curve. And so, you know, usually that six and a half to seven inches, 32 to 34 inches axle to axle comfort zone in the case of uh, yeah. the flip disc technology on Botech is, is where I fall. But I will tell you that I was very impressed by the CP28. And um, I have spent more time behind the CP28 than I have the SR350. And um, have now uh, officially tagged something with it as of last week. Uh, took nice. a trip out oh, to Nebraska, and yeah, thank you. Uh, tagged a turkey in Nebraska. Perfect. Out there with uh, the guys at the Roost Lodge, and uh, man, just I, I, the more I use it, especially in hunting situations, the more impressed I am with that bow um, because of the fact that it's only 28 inches axle axle, but it's so well balanced and um, just so stable. I'm um, really impressed with, you know, it being that short, you know, so, so many times you get into, you know, sub 30 axle axle links and you get really aggressive string angles. And, and because the cams are a little bit larger on the CP 28, you don't really feel uh, that that string angle is as aggressive. Right. Um, so, and it's just, like I said, that that stability factor is a big thing. And a lot of that comes yeah. down to, to riser technology with Botech. So that's to answer your question in a very long winded way, CP 28, <laughs> I've been <shooting laughs> a go. lot. Yeah. See, yeah. that's, that's the bad thing about, you know, what we're doing now, right. It, it, it's working, you know, we're at our houses and stuff, but the bad thing is, is I don't go to the studio much anymore. So I don't get my hands on a lot of this stuff. Right, so I will right. guarantee you that Dave's going to hide that one. And he's probably going to, <laughs> I haven't got to shoot it yet. I, I went over there about a month ago and took a shot with a bunch of different ones, but you know, I haven't been in the videos lately and I haven't got my hands on. I feel, you know, <laughs> left out. We got we got to fix this up. <laughs> fix it up. You guys, you guys have got to got to shoot that one and and shoot the SR three fifty as well, man. Because it's it's equally impressive in the fact that it's a it's a velocity bow, um, you know, based platform, velocity based platform, and um, you know, IBO three fifty. But that that bow, and we all know how that works. But IBO three fifty, and and it's just so silky smooth for a speed bow. Um, they've done an outstanding job of just building a cam system that doesn't feel like, you know, you're, you're peeking over uh, one of the, the mountains of Colorado uh, when you're drawing <laughs> it back to get 350, you know, right, so right. it's, it's very impressive. And, and I'll, I'll tell you from an accuracy standpoint, because of the way that they've, they've laid that bow out, um, man, it is pretty impressive. The repeatability there in regards to accuracy, I've been really impressed with it. It's just that I've fallen in love with this darn CP 28 Unfortunately, my, my SR350 is not getting as much love. Now, what are you drawing? <laughs> what's your draw weight on that bike? Uh, so I, I think um, my CP28, it, it's a 70-pound limb set, but it's like right at 72. Okay. And then the S, SR350, I think it's like right at 71 and a half um, is where I'm at with both of those. And I shoot comfort setting in most cases. Um, I, I play with the performance a little bit, but like I said, I'm usually man i'm trying to find that perfect arrow mix with the with the right bow and i just want to be comfortable right. and know that that arrow is going to hit every every time and i don't need max speed out of it um, or velocity so I'm, I'm really taking advantage of that flip disc and i shoot comfort a lot um, nice. in most cases yeah you're hearing more guys doing that too you know what i mean um because yeah there's something to be said about that right i mean the performance is one thing but when you're in that comfort setting it just you're dialed in you feel more confident it just for sure and so I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of really lean on, um, you know, kind of momentum, building a little momentum out of that arrow, running a little heavier arrow and a little more FOC up front. I'm not crazy on FOC, but uh, I want it to make sense. And I've, I've just had right. some really good success with that. Nice. Sweet. 
So you see, see, you already got a turkey in that. I don't think we're going out till May. <laughs> yeah. Season opens here in three days and it's going to be, uh, what is it? 80 degrees and then down to 40 degrees again. So these turkeys are just so confused. Oh man. I, so our, our opening day here in Missouri was Monday morning. We opened on a Monday in the state of Missouri and um, I took my, my two oldest boys out and, um, and there was an inch of snow on the ground and I, I oh yeah. I mean, what in the world? I I personally don't remember opener, and I may be forgetting one, but you know, thirty seven years old, I don't remember an opener where I had snow on the ground in northern Missouri, right. and so that was, uh, you know, and we were in Nebraska five days before hunting turkeys out there, and it was seventy degrees one day that we were there, you yeah. know. Um, so it's just to your point, Jay. Man, they're so confused, and and yeah. um, I don't. We heard one gobble. That's it all morning Monday. We can hunt till one, and saw one turkey, and. I mean, the day before those birds were practically gobbling in my yard, I had five different strutters running around and they were just going to town for like an hour. And so I'm, I was pretty excited, but when it started snowing as it, as it turned dark on, on Sunday night, I was like, Oh no, we had the same weather come through here Monday. Uh, in fact, up here, I think we got, I don't know, maybe three inches of snow on the ground. It's gone now, of course, but uh, it came in and then it's sitting, I'm sitting there, I'm going, okay if the turkeys weren't confused, they are now. And, yeah. you know, to touch on that with the, you know, you, you said you had a bunch of action a couple of days before that, that front came through. Um, mm -hmm. It's funny to me how turkeys um, some days, you, you know, you think about that 72 and sunny degree or 72 and sunny weather and they're gobbling mm -hmm. like crazy. And then the next day, you know, it cools down, it's cloudy. They're not as active, but then if you get a couple of days where it's cloudy like that, it seems like it, for no rhyme or reason, all of a sudden one day it's hot and I just, yep. you can't really figure it out. And, you know, I'm still working on that myself. I, it's not like deer hunting where you can pattern movement based right. on the weather. These turkeys are kind of unpredictable. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not one of those turkey wizards and there are some good yeah. ones out there. Um, yeah. You know, the Mark Drury would be one that, you know, I've, I've tried to glean some information from and Paul Butts and even, you know, Michael Waddell be another Michael one. Michael that Waddell, I, I, that's, that's who oh, you think man. of, right? <laughs> yeah. I grew up watching those guys, whether it be Drury Outdoors or road trips or, you know, whatever it might've been where, you know, even the Quaker Boy shows over the years. Um, yeah. And I tried to glean as much. It For some reason, the, the mammals just tend to, I, I learned them a little more easier than I do yeah. the turkeys and I, I will get so frustrated with a darn turkey. Um, and we, you know, where we're here, kind of like you guys, we hunt Easterns and, and everybody, I always hear the debate of, well, which bird's smarter, which bird's harder to hunt, which, and I think, you know, the consensus is that, is that the Eastern bird, especially in the Southeast part of the country is probably the toughest bird to hunt. Um, and they've definitely given me my lessons and licks. I can tell you that, but um, it is, it's amazing how, you know, and it seems like, if they have three or four days of tougher weather, they kind of settle into it, especially as you get a little later into the season where, you know, they're really getting into that breeding cycle or phase. Um, they'll kind of fire back up, you know, yep. but I, even last week when we were there in Nebraska, um, there were, and you're talking about hunting big groups of birds out there still, you know, there there's birds. It's not unusual to see, you know, 40, 50, maybe even 60 birds plus in, a, in one little oh. flock of birds and go over the ridge, the cedar ridge, and there's another one of them down the road. And it's not that way everywhere out right, there, right. but that it's the case more than not. And, um, it seems like unless you had some pretty good weather, pretty consistent warm weather out there um, in early April, they you, you're almost deer hunting those turkeys at times. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to waiting. catch them. Yeah. Yep, exactly, exactly. And hoping that, you know, one or two of those, those birds trying to go through their pecking order phase kind of get pushed off. And, and that's really most of the birds that we called in. It was uh, an older Tom that the Jakes and younger birds were trying to push off most of the time. And they'd push them out of the, the group or flock of 30 and they'd be kind of floating on the edge. And all of a sudden here comes the new scoot and shoot Jake or whatever it might've been that we had. And they go, Oh, maybe I can beat that dude up instead of the other six, you know, and we had right, quite a bit right. of, quite a bit of luck like that last week. So yeah, it's it's just funny. Like the the ones we have we have been hunting the same flock, you know, forever. And mm -hmm. some some years you'd be like, man, these are the dumbest animals of all time. And then there'll be like two years in a row where they don't respond to a call. They they know right. exactly where we're at. I'm just like, what the, <laughs> what the hell's going yeah. on? <laughs> well, I think what happens too is as deer hunters, I know I speak for myself when I say this, but 
um, I'm more of a deer hunter than a turkey hunter, obviously. Um, and that's just because I suck at hunting probably, but um, I'm trying and I'm trying to get better. But, you know, I think we take the turkeys for granted, so to speak, you know, um, mm-hmm. they're almost like the forgotten, the hunt, right? It's something to do in the spring oh, yeah. to keep you, keep you out in the woods, to, to get you right. out there, to keep you fired up about the upcoming um, deer season. But, and then you, and then in turn, you, you kind of, you don't put as much time in, you don't put as much effort in, and then you think it's going to be easy. And that's the biggest mistake I think that anyone can make. Oh yeah. Because like, yeah. like you, you said, Jamie, like sometimes it's like, okay, this is, there's no challenge. They come walking right in, like they're five feet from your blind. If you're in a blind, they don't see you mm-hmm. and they're just standing there walking around beating the, the uh, decoy up. And then the next time, you know, they're a hundred yards away and you're calling at them, you're doing everything. Yeah. You got the best caller with you. And they're just like, nope nothing to do with it i remember the first weekend i went out to to the lease to hunt turkey and i have never never done it before i'm like why does everybody get so excited right they're they're birds (laughs) right i know i'm sitting there with you know i couldn't use a mouth call yet i was just chirping on some crappy box call that i found and they came right in in like 15 minutes like this is not hunting (laughs) and and, you know i couldn't get a good shot i think i missed the first one and then the next day i moved my blind and half an hour after i got in there they they're back i'm like what like this is supposed to be hard and then i'm right. telling you ever since then it's been different yeah 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 you got spoiled yeah. out of the gate yeah I, and yeah. i don't know there, that there's any science behind this but it's kind of funny to me I'm, and we see this sometimes with deer hunting as well especially at north american whitetail some of the stories that you'll hear of yeah you know john john doe that went out on his first whitetail hunt <sighs> and he sat down on a stump and he had his oh, iphone yeah. out and he was doing this and doing yeah. that this 230 inch buck walks right in front of him and he missed the first time yeah. and he killed him the second time and not always the case but you know you you feel like as guys that have spent quite a bit of time in the woods over the years like that's the story more than more than it should be oh right? yeah you know right in some cases <laughs> And it's, we, I think that there's probably some unknown kind of uh, benefit or, or advantage to folks that aren't overthinking it. Because let's face it, man, majority of us men think we got it figured out. We've yep. got our pattern down. Nobody's going to convince us that we need to improve anything. Man, we've been working the whole off season, whether it's whitetail deer or turkey, to, to get ready for this moment. And we are ready. We're the best we've ever been. And, and we walk out there and we couldn't be further from the truth. And, yeah. Um, further from a point of success whereas you know a, a new hunter man they, they just walk out and they're just kind of doing their thing and I, uh, it tends to work out quite often you know i don't think i've hunted much harder than i did this year and i probably had 40 i mean you know i'm not close to my land but i bet you i had 30 40 sits before gun mm-hmm. season didn't get a shot off and saw one decent buck that i if he wouldn't have ran i probably would have had a shot and then yep. opening day gun comes and my buddies and it was a rough opener for us. Not a lot of people saw much. It was rainy and cold. And I get a guy go, yeah, well, we got four today. I'm like, what, <laughs> what are <laughs> yeah, you talking yeah. about? You sat for 12 yep. minutes, <laughs> Probably spent, oh, yeah. you know, 25 it's like days that, in the woods. I didn't take one shot last year. It's like that yep. meme. It shows the guy in like Hunter's orange and he's like all, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, <laughs> mismatch camo and stuff it's like this guy's gonna shoot your target buck opening day you know right yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's so true it is so true you know i had an experience um this year um kind of like that where as i i went out silly me i I thought i was going to go out like october 2nd my first set of the year i'm like i'm just going to take a doe out you know make sure i'm good to go i had a i had a couple i had a couple opportunities last year where i screwed up so i wanted some redemption and i was going to knock a doe down early I went and sat in a spot that, you know, wasn't going to have too much impact on my hunting area. And it's more of a doe spot, you know, and I'm out mm-hmm. there and the weather's nice. I'm not all sent locked out. Like I normally am. I'm kind of just enjoying the sit, you know, and, uh, lo and behold, number one target buck in the area, 10 yards behind me. I hear, I hear a branch break and I, I turn around and I'm going, are you kidding me? So I grab, of course he's behind me and on the, on the way that I wouldn't normally shoot. And it all happened so quick, man. It was like the last half hour and I drew back. I don't even remember what happened. I think I hit a branch, but it, it was like a 10 yard pop shot. And I, I shot right below this thing. Yep. And it, and I sat there and I go, okay, I learned a value. I've been hunting my whole life since I'm, you know, I'm 42 years old. I've been hunting since I was six. You know what I mean? And I, and at one time I said, you know, just go out there and just relax, you know, don't take it so seriously yeah. and just yeah. t- sit there. And of course, right. So lesson learned, yep. but anyway, yeah, no clean miss, but I went down and I, you know, I'm like, I think maybe I just zip right through them, you know, how did I miss? 
And I remember calling Ron up and I told him, I'm like, dude, I said, you're not going to believe it. Um, Cause he named the buck OMG on the trail cam. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I go, he's like, did you get him? I'm, I'm like, dude, I just missed him. He's like, what? And I told him the story and he's like, man, you, you, you and your buck fever. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hear this right now. And I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, Cause right. I was taken back. You know what I mean? I did not oh, expect yeah. that. I Ron's mean, not very 100%. supportive at first. No, <laughs> no, lots of scolding. It's such a, it's such a mental game too, man. Like oh. it, you can get shook so quick and you know, it's so hard to remove that mental factor out of, of what we do at times. And especially, I mean, you, you know, the three of us can all relate to the fact that we anticipate that moment for right. two thirds. Like you said, you're going out on a doe hunt. You weren't expecting for that to be the day that you encountered your number one target buck, this buck that you've built up in your mind and in your head. And, you know, like well, yeah, I've been watching it for a couple of years, right? I had trail cam photos, yeah. everything. And I'm like, this is the year I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to stay out of the area and I'm going to go in there in November when it's strike time, when the, when everything's right, right. The fronts come through, I'm doing all the numbers. I got equations down. I'm like, I'm not screwing this up. My vacation's planned. Boom. Yeah. October 2nd, my season's over. I'm like, for me, I mean, it you know that's what i'm thinking i'm like yeah there's your chance and you blew it you know what i mean and of yeah. course i never i never did get a chance at him again but um i i have got some trail cam picks and stuff like that so you know if, if, if somebody ends up harvesting it or i do it will add to the story you know it'll right. make oh, it yeah. much more sweeter oh, yeah. but it's and everybody's got these stories right but that was just mine i thought oh, it was man. funny because it was like i just went and sat in like the stand that no one ever hunts and there's some does hanging around I'm just gonna knock one down right what yep. the heck Oh yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, man. It, it's no doubt that that whole mental aspect of, of what we do is it go through and, and venture and as bow hunters in general is, is pretty, it's an impressive thing. And I, I'll tell you this last fall, my first hunt um, was in Wyoming, went out and uh, was hunting out there uh, early season bucks coming off feeding patterns. They're coming out of those pine ridges going down into um alfalfa fields to feed and it, you know it's like everything you've seen on tv man it's just such a beautiful place and there's so many whitetails out there and you mix a few mule deer in there and it's just dude you're, you're already so hyped up because it's the opener and then you get out there and there's just deer everywhere <laughs> and there's right. velvet bugs and yep. you know all these things that check the list of why we should be excited and, um we got in first night had a had a, a great buck workout into the area that we've been ta- told was there and um went back the second night we were going to try to get aggressive and get down on them we were kind of hugging uh the the wind cone just a little a little much we we're you know running ozonix and running some evercom and stuff that we kind of try to lean on uh when it comes to covering our scent and knew it was going to be close comes down the hill sure enough right off the ridge and he's walking right down the edge of of where we think our our wind's swirling every once in a while and he got down to about 60 yards and sure enough picked up something that he didn't quite like um uh, but he wouldn't quite spooked and that's something that we kind of see and that's why we use some of those tactics that we're talking about with those onyx and evercom and um he, he wasn't sure about it kind of turned and started to work towards another trail that entered the alfalfa field and then turned around and came back and told my cameraman then i was like man if he if he gives us a chance we're gonna take a shot and sure enough at 28 yards he he got back to there got a little goofy again and turned his turned his head to um start to spin and and i had already drawn back at that point and he gave me a, a broadside shot so i shot and I spined him. I hit him high. And I mean, if you guys have done that before, you know the the response that comes out yeah. of that, and it'll it'll shake you in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it got in my head pretty good, and I just could not figure out in my mind how at 28 yards I'd made a high shot. And I just right. I just owned it and said, man, I did. I got excited. It, it, you know, we had a lot going on, and there was nine months that was just weighing on that first shot. Maybe I just messed it up. And uh, man it weighed on me for most of the season and mentally like man even on the range at times I just couldn't couldn't I almost lost my focus I guess you could say and some it it takes your confidence right away you know and it's in the back of your head and it's something that's hanging over you and that's that's where I was at on that hunt you know hey I had some bad things happen I need to get this out of the way and then I was like oh man this is a double whammy but uh (laughs) that's the way it goes that's what's so awesome about bow hunting right um because the redemption is so sweet. So when things do happen like that, as you, the more time you spend as a hunter, the more you realize this kind of stuff, but you almost, right. You have to embrace the suck. All right. So when, oh, this, yeah. when these things happen, just know that it's going to make it that much sweeter when things come through. Right. And right. it's hard. Right. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it, it's so true in so many ways. 
Um, you were talking about um, some of the tactics you use for scent control. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on nose jammer? So I've not used nose jammer uh, myself, but I know, man, there's a lot of people out there that do, and I've heard nothing uh, but good things about it. And it's kind of a, a, a cover scent that really, um, from my understanding, creates some not not question, um, yeah. but basically oversensitizes uh, things. And um, and I know the guys that use it uh, very outdoors. I, I think are some guys that use it. I've seen them on on several occasions talk about how much they enjoy it. Those guys, I mean, dude, they've they've been doing it long enough. Yeah, right. uh, I'm sure they've got they've got some sponsors, but they're not going to use products that they don't believe right. in. And um, I, I was just curious. You know, I, I tried it one time. Um, I really got stubborn and wanted to hunt this stand and everything was right except for the wind. Right. And it's the number one Mm -hmm. thing you don't do, but you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. And I sprayed this stuff down and I'm like, and I'm not knocking it because I don't know if it worked or not. I didn't have a successful hunt, but it smelled like, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to see a deer right now. I mean, it smelled like vanilla or whatever it was. And I'm going, how is this? I'm looking at the label. I'm like, is this really what's in this thing? You know what I mean? It, it's <laughs> like the whole place is stunk. I'm like, what the heck? Somebody put a label well, on some glade. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's up. what it was like. I was like, I was horrified. I'm like, oh, I just ruined my like. I'm huge on scent control, right? And yeah. after I, just a couple shots of that, and I'm like, because I've talked to some guys that are, are really good hunters, and they and they swear by it, you know. So I gave it a yeah. run. Yep. I was just curious on your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, so I, I wish all. I could tell you I've I've used it a little bit more, and and I'll tell you the reason I haven't is I kind of got I got caught on Ozonics pretty early um, okay. on, and and I it, you know it's it's easy and I full full um, disclosure like hey we, we're, North American Whitetail has a paid partnership with uh, Ozonics, so I'm not going right. to try to hide that from you yeah. and tell you that I'm I'm bargaining on their behalf just because we get a paycheck um, at right. the end of the day or get a, a sponsorship check. Um, man, I started using that product before and, and you'll hear a lot of people that have had experiences with an Ozonics or a Conquest or a Nose Jammer. They kind of have that. And I think Ozonics was actually the, the brand that coined it, but that aha moment um, right. and ran some commercials around it. And uh, the first time that uh, I saw Ozonics work was actually with the doe group. I was hunting a, a 60 acre farm here um, in Northern Missouri and family uh, piece and had an old, just an old uh, nanny head doe that hung around there, and she was 100% the matriarch doe in that doe group, and um, just a big old mature thing, and actually knew at that point in time, man, like, if I got the chance that year, I was going to send an arrow through her, because she'd yeah. already caused me some stress, yep. <laughs> and um, and blown a yeah. couple situations for me over the last year, and so, sure enough, went in for the first sit, September 15th, and, and here she came, first deer out, and, I, you know, I was always moving my tree stands on that farm, because she, second she picked you out, or somebody else did, you're done, yeah, she was coming, yeah, you're done, man, and, and, um, you know, a lot of guys talk about big mature bucks, but those big mature does can cause you just as much grief, and oh, be yeah. just as intelligent, if not smarter, <laughs> than a mature buck, you know, in, in a lot of cases, yeah. you're talking to us, we hunt in Michigan, man, and when, when you sit in yeah. a tree stand, <laughs> the first thing the deer do when they come through the the woods is they're looking up in the trees man that's all they, they <laughs> no, don't even look it, right it's crazy because it, we, I, I we're, say, we, yeah go ahead <laughs> from what i've always heard like between you guys and south carolina the deer all walk you yeah. know head up looking around all, all <laughs> yeah, time. That's i'm like how are you even seeing me right now yeah but no we, t- <laughs> yeah. we keep talking about conquest and, and that's one thing like we have sponsors and all the stuff and free stuff sitting, you know, not free, but the stuff people send us. And that, that is one product I buy is Evercalm and all the different sticks. Cause I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not the best. Sometimes I get the wiggles, but these, these deer with that stuff, I mean, they're walking, they're licking it, walking, licking yeah. my tree stand. I'm like, yeah, what the? <laughs> it's awesome. And I'll tell uh-huh. you like nothing's I've never seen anything be foolproof. Um, really right, and, right. and you guys i mean if you both up for any amount right. of time like there, rarely there's so many variables as there's something that's foolproof right. but um you know we're always just looking for that that extra advantage in that situation you know as long as it's ethical of course and that is completely ethical in, in my mind and and i've seen that opportunity and it played out again there the year before we saw the same thing happen with our common ozonics we were hunting hay bale blinds in the middle of big forge fields and man same thing those deer we literally would pick up the hay bale blind uh haynes killed his buck the night before i did the next day we went back in because that spot was hot. There's a bunch of mature bucks coming out to it. And I said, why go anywhere else? I'll hop right yeah. back in there. We're going to move the blind over towards another trail. We moved the blind. Him and I got in it. We looked like the Flintstones scooting the hay bale blind <laughs> about 100 yards out across the forage field and uh, set it back down. Got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, I put a bunch of Evercom on it. And 
set the Ozonics uh, upside down on top of the, the hay bale wine and let them roll. And I killed my buck that night. Came came out down the wind, you know. And so it, so it's we've seen it work enough times. And um, but it's like I said, nothing's ever foolproof. But there right. are those things that offer an advantage more times than not. Those are a couple of those products, man. That you know, I would tell you today. Somebody asked me a couple of years ago, like, hey, what are the two things that you're going to take out on a bow hunt? You got to, you know, if you didn't have them, you go back to the house to get them. And I said, well, one, my bow, and uh, two, two, it would be the Ozonics Evercom uh, combination. One of the two. Yeah. I've got to have one of the two, if right. not both, if I can. And it's just you kind of feel naked without it after you've got to the mm-hmm. point that you depend on it, you know. And now it's kind of like the deodorant stick. You're like, oh, getting low. Better head to the store. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. yeah, I've had good luck with Evercom as well. Um, All my you know, trees got white streaks on them. <laughs> yeah. My blinds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it, it, it does. It, it It's another tool in the toolbox. And I think, um, For sure. like you said, it's a confidence builder too. When you see it work right. and you know, it's out there that, that, you know, that may, when you get the wiggles, that may give you another hour to sit there going, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to bust this thing up. I'm good. Right. You know, I got my sink control in check. We're good. So yep. yeah, that's important. Yep. It is for sure. So what well, else is going on? So are you doing any more turkey hunting or what's your next I, step here? Yeah, that's yeah, I, I am, man. We've uh, we're going to Haynes and I, Haynes is actually flying into Springfield um, tomorrow. We're going down Boone and Crockett, um, which is, you know, very vital to what we do as a, as a business entity, you know, Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young both. Um, so many people look at them as scoring organizations. I kind of think that that's just our, our natural thought process for either one of those organizations, but um, right. you know, they're, they're great advocates for hunter, hunters' rights and, and conservation, and, and we are trying to work day in and day out more and more on a greater level with both those organizations um, at North American Whitetail, and they're a big part of what we do. I mean, it, you know, when a guy kills a big deer, um, we always love the story. That's priority number one, and we do our best to honor uh, that deer and the hunt that, that took place um, with how we report on those stories, but um, you know, the score is what defines that deer, uh, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, I'm just, and I'm just calling it what it is. And so mm-hmm. Boone and Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young are, are of course a big part of what we do here and, and are good business partners of ours, um, in regards to different things we have. Um, so they're doing their triennial, um, triennial paint, uh, event, uh, where they bring all of the, the potential, uh, Boone and Crockett animals into uh, one location they're doing it at Bass Pro headquarters there in Springfield for this event um, particularly and they're inviting several media entities in to to be a part of that process and and uh, so we're headed down there Haynes flies in tomorrow I think he gets in tomorrow evening I'm going to drive down tomorrow evening and then we're gonna have a full day there Friday and Saturday spending some time with the folks at Boone and Crockett so that's coming but um, I'm going to try to get back and and um, we're going to try to do some more turkey hunting. I was talking to my son. I'm actually, I'm sitting in the parking lot. I'm doing my dad duties tonight. He's uh, at basketball practice inside yeah. this gym here. <laughs> okay. And um, we were talking, talking on the way down here to his basketball practice. I said, Hey, you want to, you want to play You You want to go turkey hunting on Saturday? Cause I know you've got a basketball game in the afternoon. He's like, I don't know, dad. I don't want to be tired. And he said, but Sunday <laughs> I'm in, if we can go before church, I'm in. And I was like, all right, we'll go. And so try to get, try to get him and his younger brother, both they're, they're able to hunt um, under the youth program here in the state of Missouri uh, as of the age of six and they're eight, 10. So um, oh, try to get perfect. both of them. Oh, I mean, and it's fun. It, it yeah. honestly, and I know it's, I know it's kind of cliche and you'll hear a lot of guys say it, but I know that they're sincere about it, especially after experiencing it. It is so much fun to watch and get to hunt with, you know, your yeah. kids or somebody else's kids and watch that joy happen all over. It kind of brings you back to center, oh, yeah. you know, where, where yeah. you started you we were talking about how we get so deep into the thought process and our strategy and hunting and it kind of brings you back to the fun part of, of why we all started doing this you know just getting Absolutely. out in nature and taking it all in and and listening to all the sounds and and uh you know the look on their face when that first bird comes strut by the year yeah. and spitting and drumming and and or you know big big buck in their mind comes walking by and so it's a lot of fun man so we're trying to do that and i think uh we're gonna shoot our build your own deer factory segment for the tv show in in may and um okay. we're going to do that in kansas this year we we actually have we're always trying to kind of change things up a little bit with that and uh that segment in the past what we've done is we've kind of floated around to different farms we'll go in we'll um work with dr kroll dr james kroll or dr deer um, to establish a management plan and go through the steps of of basically managing different farms in different regions of the country. So we can give a good representation of maybe how you can follow suit 
um, if you're looking to manage property. And and I won't say that it's getting stale, but we just wanted to keep it fresh and got to talking to Doc. And I said, you know, Doc, so many of our, our readers and uh, audience members lease property. They don't own it. Um, and they have, you know, a year or two to go in and manage it if they can keep a hold of it, hopefully longer. Um, but the other thing is, is like, you know, you're a, a graduated individual. Um, you've got it. You get your routine down. I think it would be any fun if, uh, if the younger members of our staff, myself and Haynes and now Blake went in and, and you said, all right, boys, here's your property. What do you do? And uh, you kind of turn us loose and then you grade us as we go along and you kind of watch us struggle through what we're doing. Because I, I feel like there are a lot of people that can probably relate to us right. um, doing that for the first time and going through the process. And, and oh, we'll do yeah. it like, you know, Haynes is an active land manager at his home there in, in North Carolina. I'm an active land manager on our farms here. And Blake, even at the age of, of 23, is very highly involved in his family farm there in, in Pennsylvania. And they've got to believe. And so or West Virginia, sorry. Um, and so we're all involved and we've been students of, of Doc, but it's going to be kind of fun to see how well we've been paying attention. And, and you know, he's going to kind of give us the chalkboard and then follow us That's up. Cool. So I think we're going to do some turkey, turkey hunting maybe while we're there. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to squeeze there maybe just one more in, you know. Yeah, you why go. not, right? Take advantage yeah. of it. Thank you, sure. man. <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? You going to do some turkey hunting yet? Yeah, I'm. We're going only one weekend so far. Maybe I'll sneak out there with the kids, uh, with my oldest, uh, another weekend. But where are we on the 20, 21st of May? Okay. So I usually like try to get out there a couple times, but Dave unfortunately made me buy a camper to be like everybody else. <laughs> and that has now taken up additional weekends in my life. So, yep. Screwing up the turkey happen. hunt. Yeah, I'm on the other to, side I'm of that, check. we have some friends in Ohio, so maybe I can go down there and park. There it you go. There you season. go. Yeah, there you go. There's a silver lining somewhere in there. Always glass half full. Well, as long as the weather holds up, I'm going to head out next week. So um, I got a couple uh, spots that I have scouted and uh, I've been seeing a lot of movement. Um, so hopefully I can get something, something going, especially for me. And then, uh, my boy who's 13 he's going to go out again too so um right. looking forward to try to get him on a bird so his first bird so will you guys be chasing him with with stick and string or are you gonna pull the shotguns out a little bit too or well he's got the shotgun as backup yep. but he also wants to he wants to use the crossbow so you know he's very confident with the crossbow and that's like his go-to so i'm gonna let him go for it um i'll be using my bow um We'll see how that goes. I, I I'm tempted to bring the gun, but I, I like I like <laughs> I like chasing him with a bow. You know what I mean? It's just so much more oh, fun. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if I bring the gun, it's going to be one of those ones where it's like a ten yard pop shot, and I wish uh -huh. I had my yep. bow. So inevitably, yeah, it will whatever. happen. We'll Dude, I'm telling you, he'll walk right up in your right? lap and stand there for an yeah. hour and say but shoot. That's you know that's exactly. So I'm kind of jinxing happen. myself, but at the same time, it's like whatever. That's going to be fun. Yeah. It'll, it'll make it sweeter. Yeah. So yeah yeah that's about it for that's me awesome. on that side on that front so let's see what happens that's awesome yeah <laughs> it's the man that crossbow and you talking about your son is such a great tool yeah. in regards to getting them in the woods earlier and allowing for them to kind of yeah. experience their yeah. arrow flight and broadheads and start to learn so many things earlier yeah. than they probably would because they, they don't have the physical ability to be able to run a vertical right to ethically kill them right Right. You have to have the poundage. You have to have the setup, and that's what he did. With, and I'm Jamie. I think your boy he got his first one with a crossbow as well. But yeah, uh, and you know, you get them out there. They they're confident with it. You know, you you let them shoot, and they they feel confident with it. And they know the equipment. And then when the deer walks in, you know, what I mean, you get they get the buck fever and stuff like that. But I was telling the story a couple of weeks ago. We were talking, and um, it was funny because I got I got deer fever. It wasn't even a buck. It was just a doe. <laughs> And I'm all fired up. His deer just coming anticipation, in his first, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, it's a 15 yard shot. I'm like, oh my, he's gonna get his first deer. And I'm grabbing him. Don't no, hope, hope. And he's going, I got <laughs> yeah. this, Dad. You know. And yeah. then afterwards, yeah. I'm going, oh, man, kids are diff built different nowadays. I think right? you know what I mean. Because when I was, I was all fired up. Maybe that's oh, why, why, are, still, why are they why so much better them. shots than us? They're, you know what? Like, like in practice, in the veins, dude. In practice, oh, he yeah. can't touch me. But he's yeah. he's 100. percent He's got three deer three shots yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, i wish i was 100 percent. 
I, yeah, I know. I will. I will tell you with my two oldest boys and our third one. He's not old enough yet to do it, but there, there's a little difference there. My oldest Stone, he he gets a little fired up like I do out in the field, and uh, he'll lose yeah. it a little bit. <laughs> and Wilder, our second one, man, he like you said, ice in his veins, no emotion on his face until it's done. When it's done, yeah. like he comes unglued. Yeah. But but when he's when he's in that the motion, like man, like. <laughs> <laughs> no after i see a big buck and he walks out of my sight i i have about 20 minutes where i can't do i can't even text i don't no. know what it is fine the uh, shot it, it, fine when i'm seeing him walk up but when that goes i don't it just sets me off <laughs> oh, yeah. it's crazy luckily i haven't fell out of a tree yet you know no, ma- no matter how many times you tell yourself when when this deer comes in this is what i'm gonna do i've rehearsed it in my head this is how it's gonna go it all goes out the window man it's like, Every bit of it. it's something over, over time that I've continuously worked on. Um, and I feel like I'm getting better, but at the same time, it's like, but that's what makes it fun. Right. If that feeling yeah. goes away, is it going to be that, oh, yeah. you know, no. that's part of it. Right. So yep. some guys yep. are a lot better. Like our buddy, Ron, um, this guy, a deer, <laughs> the biggest deer ever walks in, he doesn't get nervous, nothing. And he like waits, the deer walks by it's, it's, it's broadside. He's like, nah, I want it quartering away. And, and he, he just waits and, and takes all these chances that if I did that, it, I'd, I'd be done. Right. I'd have shot five times yeah. and missed five times. And all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, and then he just nails it. And then he loses his mind. Right. Yeah. Then he acts like <laughs> the crazy man, like over the top with it. It's like, Whoa, what? I'm, yeah. I'm hunting in the stand with him. Right. I'm videoing over. And he's and I'm yeah. like, are you all right? He's, yeah. like, and he's going crazy. And I'm going, this guy's an animal. Kind of like the Luke Bryan <laughs> video. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Illinois. That's great. I, <laughs> I love that. Love that man. Yeah, Haynes. Haynes is that way too, man. That you talk about just ice in the veins. That guy has got it, and it's the most amazing thing to me because he I'm he jealous, is. He calls man. it. He just gets. He says, and we we kind of kid around. You know, we're always poking at each other. We're competitive young males. We're always poking yeah. at each yep. other. You know, on the on the team here, and and uh, he used the the phrase at one point. I'm laser focused when when i get there and so now all the time you know if something comes up and we're talking about concentration factor you know i'll turn to to blake and go well i'm laser focused (laughs) you know and then so we have a lot of but to i mean to pay that guy compliment he is one of the most laser focused individuals i've never seen it man he can just keep it cool all the way through and then uh, and i got to experience that firsthand this year we had a cameraman get sick and he was hunting about an hour from my house and in uh, January it was actually January 1 and um he called me and said hey man I'm right down the road you know where I'm at he said just you know our cameraman Brad unfortunately got really sick last night he said he can't make it out to stand can you come down and would you film I said heck yeah well you know figure it out here let me call my wife just make sure because you know you were in the presence of a sick man (laughs) just want to make sure we're good there at home and (laughs) make sure I don't need to corn yeah Uh... get down there and, and called him back and so we went down and and sure enough we had a buck come out and he, now keep in mind, Haynes had a really, you were talking about tough seasons earlier. And we saw that not just with our team, but across the board, across most of the whitetail yeah. range. And in November, it was, it was pretty tough, man. It was first time that Gordon Whittington, our former editor in chief, now editor emeritus said he could remember um, with North American whitetail that we reported on more bucks in the first 15 days of December than the first 15 days of right. November. Um, mm-hmm. so that was, it was a real first force and that would explain a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different factors there, but, right. um, back to the story, Haynes was, it was January one and he still hadn't, he hadn't pulled the trigger on a deer. And, uh, so this buck comes out last 20 minutes of, of legal shooting light and we're getting down to the end of camera light. And he had a muzzleloader in his hand at that point in time, it was the muzzleloader season in Missouri. And, and this dude came, he got pushed by a doe, doe hopped over the fence and scattered everything on the, you know, the, the standing beans and. This dude ran right up, turned around broadside, and and uh, Haynes freehanded him at a hundred yards. And I, I mean, just couldn't have made a better shot. And I looked over him. I said, "Man, you you freehanded that dude at a hundred yards." <laughs> He's like, "Dude, ice in the veins." And then he lost it. You know, we got yeah. excited because that was our first harvest together on film. You know, we've worked together for about four years now, and we'd never had that opportunity. And so we both got pumped up, man. And I'm, I'm excited for people to see that right. this year as one of oh, our yeah, episodes, sure. because that's what it's all about, man. That's what Absolutely. we are all about. But right. Yeah, and now, now that we're, uh, we're talking about that, we got, we got another podcast here in a few minutes, but so, uh, yeah. 
you know, we talk about the show and all the different social medias and, and North American whitetail. So where, where are some of the places our folks can go check all that out? Yeah, for sure. So um, Sportsman's Channel is, is our primary uh, distribution network that we uh, we air on, but we do also air on Outdoor Channel and Q1 and Q2. Um, we, we got a real neat agreement there. Um, one thing that we don't talk about a lot that we need to do a much better job of talking about, not only as North American Whitetail TV, but as a, a network is uh, Hulu. Um, so Outdoor Channel yeah, and Sportsman's okay. Channel signed on as the official outdoor networks of uh, Hulu. So when you go buy your Hulu sports package through Hulu, uh, you get access to Outdoor Channel um, and Sportsman oh, Channel. Nice. Yeah, so that's that's something that, man, we've had so many people that have exited, you know, the linear space of Dish and Direct TV, right. and um, and they're on Hulu or they're on YouTube. And uh, man, if you get Hulu, make sure it's. I, I want to say it's like another five bucks a month um, that you can add to your package, right. but it's very affordable, and you can you can stream it right down through your Hulu now. So check us out there and. Uh, there's a couple other uh, services, Friendly TV, which is a live uh, video on demand um, product, a product. And I think, again, seven starts at $5.99 for standard def and uh, a month, and then you can run up to 10. You can stream that off the internet. Um, Outdoor America TV, which is on all Samsung um, and Vizio TVs. So when it comes to your house, there's actually, they've got a list of channels that are available. You buy a Samsung oh, yeah. or a Vizio, huh, you get Outdoor yeah. America TV. Yeah. Cool. So it's, it's in there and it's, yeah. we're on there. We're one of about, I think 30 programs at this point in time that are, that are broadcast as outdoor uh, programs. So we're pretty excited about that being there as well. And really uh, it opens up to the household number to millions of, right. of people that we could get access to, but uh, YouTube channel, we're, we're getting started on a YouTube channel. We're starting to provide more <clears> resource <throat> content there and then Instagram and Facebook. And we have a Twitter account. We don't play much with it. Um, we, we're staying pretty yeah. busy and they're, everybody's trying to get us to do TikTok, so i i assume that we're probably going to go down that road here <laughs> yeah, talk, you can long, talk so. to dave for some ideas there you go yeah he's pretty <laughs> good at go. that yeah but no I thanks for joining this. us though it, that was a good talk and we're looking forward to getting a copy of that elk magazine so we can uh finally get our lives together and get out there for sure i'll send you guys the last couple of issues so make sure we, i get your addresses and, and thank you for having me on I, it's always fun and um, you guys need anything from North American Whitetail, man. Make sure you guys reach out. We're, we're glad to be partnered up with you. Will do. As usual, thank you guys so much for tuning into the Bowhunter Planet podcast. Your support is so appreciated. If you love our tree and bow hunting, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media as we have a lot more great content to share. We'll see you soon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.